I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today wherever you listen to your podcasts. There's something absolutely fascinating about the concept, to me anyway, of fan fiction. The idea that, okay, here's a movie, comic book, uh, TV show, whatever it is, honestly, a band, right, that you enjoy so much that you've decided that you're going to tinker with their universe a bit, right? You're going to go in and say, okay, what if that person and that person became best friends or mortal enemies? Or what happens if that person killed that person? And what, how would that play out? Let's throw circumstances and, and, and ideas at these this universe and say, what would happen if, right? It's really interesting to think that people are so, how do I be non-pejorative here? People are so involved in these fictitious universes that they feel the need to say, here, I can tell that story better, right? How do you tell George Lucas, shut up, I know how to tell tell Star Wars better? And Well, frankly, maybe, well, I'm sure that's exactly what's happened in the last couple of years of Star Wars, and I'm not going to get into that. Um, but it takes a lot of really involvement in an idea that this piece of fiction is something that you own, right? That you know this universe better than the creator, better than other people, better than writers paid good money to evolve and advance this universe that you're going to put your own work out. Fan fiction is amazing. Now, I don't really read a lot of it, but you know, what I do know of it is absolutely, like I said, it takes a level of involvement in these kinds of fictions and the willingness to say, I'm going to put my creative energy towards it that I don't possess. It's just, that's what it is. Um, But I think it's interesting because in a very strange way, fan fiction is the ultimate level of engagement. It is the ultimate expression of loyalty to an idea, to a concept, to a, a property, to, dare I say it, a brand. And that's what I want to talk about today when we get right back fan fiction. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis, and I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing, and I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right. So we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here, recording live from Chicago. It is, I'm still feeling draggy. It's been still a raw week, so uh, I thought I'd try something different, try something fun, sort of, kind of, maybe a little bit, um, without being too lighthearted, without being, you know, yeah, the world is really a mess this week, and, and as it's been for a while, so um, still feeling a little bit, and I just thought this would be a fun topic to, to jump into, fan fiction, and full disclosure, it's not my topic. It's actually, it comes from a conversation I had with Elena Valentine uh, a while ago, which you may have heard on this podcast, and um, 
about this idea that employer brand is a kind of fan fiction. And I remember her saying that. And it just kind of stuck in my head and it kind of percolated slowly over time. And I want to talk about that today. But first, a quick housekeeping. And the housekeeping is this. I wrote a book. In fact, I wrote a couple books, but let's talk about the big book. Let's talk about this thing. Because 18 months ago, I wanted to write like the bulletproof case for why a strong employer brand was critical to any business's success. And then 20,000 words later, I realized I was writing something else. I was really writing a book. And 20,000 words after that, I decided that it couldn't just be me. So I wanted to involve a lot of smart thinkers in the space to add their own voices and really add their perspectives to my own. Employer brand is not singular. It's very much a, a collective effort on a lot of levels. And I wanted the book to reflect that. So I've got people who you may know, like Alana, Elena Valentine, uh, Chad and Cheese, Charus Malhotra, uh, Deb Johnson, Za uh, Nasheed, Alain Bailey, Audra Knight, Tracy Parsons, some people who who have been podcast guests, some people who haven't, they're all of them are, are people I deeply respect and are thrilled that they got to, to join in and add their perspective. Um, to sum it up, it's the book I wanted when I started out. So I decided I'd write it. So it is called Talent Chooses You. It's available on Amazon right now for pre-order all week. It comes out live a week from today um, on paperback and Kindle. So go take a look at it. I hope you enjoy it. Actually, I hope you'll love it, frankly. Um, a lot of, lot of love, a lot of sweat, a lot of doubt, fears, and tears went into this thing. So hopefully it's useful to you. So go, like I said, Talent Chooses You on Amazon. Go take a look. Links in the show notes if that's helpful. Anyway, let's get back to fan fiction. In fact, frankly, I could extend the idea of fan fiction out another step to say universe building, right? There's this idea. So let's, I mean, let's talk about this idea, right? That you've built a universe and it doesn't matter if it's the X-Men universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Star Wars universe, or frankly, the Pixar universe. There's a, a really interesting theory out there on the web that all the Pixar movies are in the same universe, that they are interconnected uh, and they use the Easter eggs that you see in various movies to prove, quote unquote, prove that case. Um, you know, there are in a shared universe, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, same universe. What are the things are in that universe? I don't know. And, and maybe we will never find out. Um, but they're universes, right? And you add new characters and that character extends the universe. Let's talk about Star Wars because Star Wars is a universe that's been going on for a while now, right? The first movie came out in 77. Let's be fair. It was a space Western with a samurai tinge to it from some wacko out of Northern California. And it did so well and it connected so well well to the people who watched it that they have been extending the universe ever since right not just more b movies not just the prequels and the sequels not just the tv shows not just the mandalorian we're talking the animation heck the books have been extending this universe since the second or third movie i mean we're talking 80s they have been telling the stories of what happened to han solo after they blew up the death star one more time they have been telling the story of what happened when princess leah did it's, it, they've been telling these stories and extending this universe for decades Right, And I think it's fascinating because it says that there's a space in which there are certain rules being applied, and those rules are consistent. They, uh, they say in comedy that you can get away with anything so long as you don't violate the rules. So if you establish rules at the very beginning of, a, of an act or a bit, or the skit in fact, you establish those rules at the very early on, you can get away with almost murder so long as it doesn't 
invalidate the rules that you've set up. You start a movie and it says, hey, by the way, this character can't go underwater or they die. You can't at the end of that movie say, oh yeah, by the way, they can go underwater. They're cured. Ah, it's all better. That breaks the rules and you feel like, ugh, I've been gypped. This is a crappy movie. An extended universe or a universe or, or, or a fictional universe is a set of rules and a set of characters, some of whom may not involve your part of the universe, right? You may have an ancillary character come out. They might do something and they might walk away. You might set all of your characters in the same space using the rules, but never interact with a character who exists. My favorite, 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 and absolute nerdiest example of fan fiction is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Tom Stoppard took two, I mean, barely bit players in Hamlet and decided what happens if you look forward and backwards from that moment when they're there to escort Hamlet to Denmark to die or where, where did he go to die? I can't remember. Anyway, but you know, um, they were bit characters. They were functionaries. They were there to propel a plot. And Tom Stoppard says, what if there are real people in this fictional universe? And how would they go about their day? And what would happen to them before and after? And it's an amazing play and it's a great movie, um, you know, with some pretty amazing actors. It's an older movie, but it's fantastic. I absolutely highly recommend it. It's deeply, deeply nerdy uh, and not just for Shakespeare nerds. But it's this idea, right? You take a concept and you extend it. Why is this interesting? Why does this matter? Well, because a brand is very much like a universe. Your brand is a set of rules that you say, when people who work here do this, we reward them thusly. When they do that, we punish them thusly. We promote these kinds of people. We fire these kinds of people. We don't, we, 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 we are desperate to hire these kinds of people. We have no interest at all in hiring those kinds of people. There is a set of rules and those rules may slowly evolve as leadership and policies and HR and team manner, uh, team leads shift and change and grow and evolve and, and are swapped in and out, right? But in the end, the brand is expected to be very, very similar. Now, that's, of course, crazy to say that a brand once established has to abide by the same rules forever. Look at Google. For a very, 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 very long time, Google was a place where they were inventing the future. They were all about innovation. They were trying new things. They were willing to take the money they were making and invest it in crazy ideas like email online, but an almost infinite amount of storage space, an almost infinite amount of, of inbox space, which at the time when Hotmails and Yahoo's were offering a couple megs tops was an incredible idea. Not to mention the fact that the software was faster and cleaner and had a better interface and it had this thing called threading, which at the time, brand freaking new. Uh, they were inventing that. They were changing people's lives at work and, you know, li or lives and work based on this technology they're dropping out. Uh, uh, maps and uh, the search functionality it was just infinitely better than the, the junk that Yahoo's were putting out or the, uh, you know, Ask Jeeves and uh, Hotbox or whatever, you know, all those things that were just portals with ads shot at you from a shotgun as if it, you know, as if you were just getting splattered by every possible and conceivable message every human being being could ever want. Google was doing very different things. It was defying rules and saying, we're going to invent our own future. We're going to invent our new rules. We're going to try new things. Hey, we're going to invest in our people. We're going to pay them well. We're going to feed them lunch. We're going to make sure they have snacks and coffee no matter what the time of day is. We want to make sure that they feel well taken care of. That's where a lot of the stuff that we consider standard San Francisco Bay Area perking started was with Google, right? They were the ones who kind of said, hey, they keep ordering pizza. Why not just feed them dinner every night? Why not just keep them there? Why not give them snacks and massage rooms and nap rooms and, and take care of them so that they can do more work at work? Now, fast, that was 15, 20 years ago. 
Fast forward to today, and while many of those perks still exist, what's the story around the Google brand from the inside? Is it we're inventing the future? Because I don't know that if you asked most people working at Google, they would feel like they're inventing the future. I would suggest, based on very little information, but I think based on my external perception of it, is that the brand of Google has all, for most people, not for everyone, but for most people, the brand of Google is a function of stability, not so much as innovation. Are you working on the, the Alphabet X projects, the moonshots? Maybe for you, it feels very much like a moonshot. But if you are amongst the rest of the Googlers whose main motivation is, let's sell more ads and let's build properties that let us sell more ads and let's call up business owners so that we can sell more ads. I don't know that it feels innovative or at least not as innovative as it feels stable because Google has more money than anybody else. They print money. They have more of the market share of ad space. They have, there's no chance of anybody buying Google anytime soon, right? They're pretty stable. That's the story of Google. That's the brand. That's the universe of Google. So what does it matter what the brand universe is? Well, on a certain level, what you say about that brand has to connect to the rest of that universe. If you say Google is all about innovation and let me show you the 20 properties that they've built that have blown my mind repeatedly, great. But if those properties are all invented 10, 15 years ago, it's very hard for you to tell me that they're still innovative. You have to show me stuff that's now. Innovation is a function of the now. If you haven't innovated anything lately, are you innovative? And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's Google maturing as a company. It's changing their rules. Look at their own set of rules, right? Their own established don't be evil. Their self-proclaim, the flag, the banner they flew very early on, their response to the perception of what it's like to work at the other behemoth, the other technological giant Microsoft, and their claim of we don't be evil, right? We're Google. We just don't be evil. And you see now that the people who work there, who expected Google to maintain the respect for that rule, the one that based and grounded the universe from the very beginning, are starting to potentially feel a little like maybe the universe changed around them and they don't like where they are, that they disagree with, with decisions made about China, about Black Lives Matter, about sexual harassment policies, about who they give you know uh, exit bonuses to. Google has been struggling with this idea that having established itself as a place that wasn't evil, now they have to reflect on the fact that as a bigger company, they might have to do some semi-evil stuff. That's just, right? Businesses make choices like that. I don't like it when they make those choices. I disagree with those choices, but I'm not beholden to stockholders. I'm not beholden to investors. So therefore, the changes are not mine to make. And I'm allowed to disagree with them and staff are allowed to disagree with them, but those are the changes that are made. And those changes feel bad because they break the rules of the universe. Now, that's a brand universe. That's an extended universe. You want to extend it out. You want to push it out. Okay, you're innovative. Great. What else are you innovative? Another, what other ways are you innovative? Being innovative by we'd make cool code is a good start, but show me how you are also innovating work-life balance. You're also innovating how you treat your staff. You're also innovating. And again, Google can kind of tell those stories really, really well. You may have noticed the story in which they had said that for most of their staff, they're giving $1,000 uh, credits to let staff who work from home invest in their home office, right? Buy a better desk, buy a nice chair, buy a good monitor, whatever you need to kind of make your office at home feel more comfortable, more useful, more productive, go for it. Google's going to pay for that. 
That's an innovative platform. That's an innovative move. If they decided to say, we're going to go to a four-day work week, that would be an innovative move. If they, I mean, there's all sorts of things they can do to extend the brand universe of Google is innovative without breaking rules, which leads us to fan fiction. Now, fan fiction is saying, okay, I understand those brand rules. I understand the universe's rules. I'm going to extend them out. I'm going to push the boundaries. I'm unofficially going to tell your story or I'm going to unofficially tell a story that exists in your universe. Now, if you're the owner of Star Wars, or at least, you know, whoops, I'm dropping pens now. <laughs> if you're the owner of Star Wars or if you're the owner of Buffy, if you're the owner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it might be scary to think that someone's going to tell your stories, right? The, the, the people at Disney take very good care to decide who tells the next Marvel story. Who's going to tell the Black Widow story? Who's going to tell the Falcon and Winter Soldier stories? Who are going to tell that story? So they don't just say, who wants to tell that story? Go for it. Have fun. They don't do that. They pick. They choose. They have a sense of what kind of story they want those properties to tell. They find producers and directors who are going to support that vision and support that idea, and they're going to let them tell stories. They're going to cherry pick how those stories get told. But that's what fan fiction is, right? The, the unlicensed telling and of extending of that brand story. But at the same time, look at it another way. In a lot of ways, you want to create fan fiction. Fan fiction is a proof point that your brand universe is so cohesive and so strong and so attractive that other people want to add to tell that story, right? For those of you who know that, and I'm, you know, I mean, I don't know if anybody here was a Twilight fan, but we all know that Twilight was so strong to a certain set of people that they decided to extend that universe. And one of the ways they extended that universe ended up becoming Fifty Shades of Grey. If you didn't know that Fifty Shades of Grey was functionally fanfic for the Twilight universe, and it kind of took a life of its own on. It just kind of went, for better or for worse. <laughs> we can decide that later. It's an extension of that universe, that extension of that brand. And that's almost what you want. As the owner of your brand, you want to be able to say, I want a brand so strong, so attractive that other people say, I want to tell that story too. I want to add my spin on that story. What if we told that story as a Western? <laughs> What if we told that story as a samurai flick? What if we told, told that story as a wacky slapstick comedy, right? How do we do that? Now, bring it back to your brand. You want an employer brand that is so strong, so attractive, that other people want to write that fiction for you, except it's not so much that they're going to say, this is the story of what it would be like to work in this company. The story, the fan fiction they are writing is called, let me review your company, on my, my company on Glassdoor. Let me review my company on Comparably. Let me review my company on Fairy God Boss. Let me tell you the story of what it's like to work there. That's the fan fiction that's happening every day. And that's why I want to talk about it. Because if you look at those reviews less as reviews and critiques and stars and, and you know, being slaves to what the, the shift in, in stars are, you're in trouble. But if you think of it as fan fiction, you're in a different universe. How do you establish the rules? How do you establish the brand universe rules so that they go, I get it. I, and look, if, if people leave bad reviews in, in, in Glassdoor, it's not because you're a bad company. It's because your recruiter established rules. This is what this universe is about. This is what this company is about. This is how we do things. And having gotten to that universe, having gotten to that company, they see that those rules aren't true. You've broken the rules. And they feel gypped. And consequently, they write bad fan fiction. 
So I want to just give you and leave you this idea because I think, or leave you with this concept because I think it's interesting to wrestle with as you think about how do you, ex you work with your brand, how do you extend your employer brand. Think of it as a function of how do you build a brand so strong that it's encouraging fan fiction that stays within the rules that abides within the rules so that when people leave negative reviews, they can say, look, they told me it was about this and it really was about that. I thought they were kidding, but it's, it's, it's really like that. It really is innovative. It really is hard charging. It really is slow and, 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 and methodical. It really is collaborative to the point of not being able to make a decision. That's just, they told me that's what it was. They kept the rules and that's what it is. Cause that's not a bad review. That's a review that reestablishes and reinforces the brand universe rules, which is good. Because if you want to be known as anything, you want to be known for who you are, who you really are. Even if you are methodical and plotting and you seem to talk a lot without ever getting around to the point where you ever make a decision, right? If you're one of those kinds of companies, you want people to know that. Why? So that people who like that sort of thing and work well in that sort of environment go, yeah, yeah, cool. That's what I want. I want to be part of that. No one goes, I want to buy a Ferrari. It's a really affordable, useful car for a variety of purposes. No. <laughs> and that's the problem. We want to be Ferraris, but we don't want to be, we want to be Ferraris for every day. It doesn't work that way. Ferraris are magical, special, wonderful things that you keep in the garage 99% of the time because they're terrifyingly brittle and dangerous and aren't used and should not be used for getting to the office or picking up groceries. They are there for the one day a week that you can spend an hour just driving for the pure love of driving and enjoying the, man, the, the, the engineering around this idea. You want to be known for the thing you actually are, not just known to be known. So I don't have a good conclusion on that one. I just think it's fascinating and I think it's an interesting way of looking at how your employer brand is a kind of universe and how you want to encourage your fans to write fiction. Just make sure that they're using the same rules or they're following the brand universe guidelines. And the way you do that is to keep them strong and clear. That's how you kind of get your staff to tell the story about the brand and not whatever story they were in the, in the middle of that they thought they were living because that's somebody else's universe. You want them to talk using your own brand universe rules. All right, that's all I had this week. Like I said, hopefully that was a little lighter <laughs> given the week. Hopefully next week is better. I've, uh, full disclosure, I've got some interviews lined up coming up or I'm, I'm, I'm in, the, in the process of lining up some deep interviews. And you know I hate to do interviews, so I'm not going to call them interviews. They are deep conversations with two of the smartest employer branders I know. So I cannot wait to get at them and get them all put together so that I can share them with you. Otherwise, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. Go take a look at Talent Chooses You on Amazon. I would love it if you uh, just took a look, just considered it, maybe even bought it. That would be fantastic. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. This has been an episode of the Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter, at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn and just say hello or let's just talk, that's linkedin.com slash in slash the war for talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me, let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week.
Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.